scripture memory verse tonight, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Anybody else? Okay, go ahead. You guys got this. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Good job. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new act. creation. Creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things. Where is it at? Good job. Anybody else? Quote it. 2 Corinthians 5 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5 17. Good job. Anybody else? 2 Corinthians 5 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians 5.17. Good job. Anybody else? Well, I want to kind of tie all this together. I know you guys are all looking at the therefore. Miss Rita, because we want to see what it's there for. Well, I think the therefore continues, and I want to tie the last three weeks together. If you'll remember, a couple weeks ago, our verse was in 416. This is a great text. I love this text. Uh, it was in 416, and therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Well, how's it being renewed? Because in Psalms 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. The Lord is the one doing the work. The Lord is the one we're waiting upon. And if you follow this through, really, it's the same, it's the same context of what's going on in our, in our walk with God is that 
Uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's what's going on. There's this, there's this uh, uh, positional place that we have that it's finished. Positionally, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But down here, we're supposed to be listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing the process to go on. But while everything's going on in life, we're not losing heart because the battle's here or the pain's here or the suffering's here or things didn't go the way we want. We're learning to die. We're learning to die and become ambassadors. The same way that Christ was sent, we are sent. We're learning to do what he did. We die. The outward man is perishing. The outward man is dying. What we want to do is dying because the inside is growing. The Holy Spirit is sealed and is growing the inside. And we'll see it as we get into the text. I'm going to kind of read and come to it and we'll get back from it. Uh, but I want you to understand that uh, there's a process going on. Just like I love this time of year when you look at the seasons and you look at the trees and, and, and the trees are losing their chloroform. And they're, they're really beautiful today. I was looking at them going, oh my goodness, I love this time of year. But they're, but they're turning all the different colors and the reds and the oranges and the browns and the yellows. And they're all strung into there with the green. And on the outside, they're dying. But on the inside, they're growing more and more and more. And they're making those rings that you count the maturity of the age of that tree. And it's becoming these tall oaks and these tall trees that just stand up and they, they hold up to the wind. They hold up to the storm. They hold up to the test of times and they're growing on the inside. And you have to go through these seasons of life. You go through these seasons in your walk. You go through these times of testing and trying and burning out the dross and the work of God in your life. We don't want to lose heart. God is not mad at you. Even when you're going, oh, man, I blew it. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's already paid for all of your sin. That's already dealt with. And now he's refining you. Now he's purifying you. Now he's sanctifying you. Now he's finishing the reconciliation of you. That's going to happen at the end of the age when we see him face to face. So he's telling us, again, not to lose heart. The outward man uh, it's perishing, it's decaying, it's dying. It's an earthly tent that's supposed to die. But don't forget what 5.1 says, right? Well, let's just read five or 4.17 and on. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It's, it's all eternal. While we do not look at the things which are seen, Right? If it's not seen, we're not. We're, we're going to see. It. He's going to come to the conclusion that we're walking by faith. But the but at the things which are not seen, that's the spiritual, eternal, not the temporal. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Should have just read the text like I started to, instead of giving you commentary that said the same thing that he said. <laughs> and then, of course, your verses. And chapters weren't really there at the writing. So you just keep moving. Same thought, same idea. For we know. Listen, this is something you need to know. It's your identity. It's your future. It's your hope. You know that this is not the end of it all. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, temporary structure that our spirit's in right now, to decide in this courtroom whether we're going to 
listen to God and believe in Jesus and choose to love God freely because he first loved us, if it's destroyed, if it's dead, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desire. Don't you groan more and more each day? Like you move and you go, oh! But it's also a spiritual groaning sometimes where you, you see the signs of the time. Where you see people that aren't getting it. Or you see things that are going on. And you say, why don't they get it? Why aren't they comprehending? Why aren't they surrendering to the Holy Spirit? Anyway, um, we all grow at different paces. So we have to be careful with who we're looking at. We groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, that new house not made with hands eternal in the heavenlies, which is from heaven. If indeed, notice there's an if there, preposition. If indeed, if indeed, listen, these are important things to know now. If, if, it's a conditionality. It's a preposition of conditionality. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. See, we want to be clothed. We want to know that we're uh, uh, growing and going and doing. And, and as we get into the word prayer and fellowship, there is this work of the Holy Spirit that is happening. That if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to be the seed to be watered, it's going to automatically bear fruit. It's just going to happen. Okay. For we who, four, five, four, for we who are in this tent grown, I groan more every day, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. See, we were, we were dead, and this body's made to die. It's an earthly tent. It's made to perish. It's not made to be permanent. We know it's temporary. And we want to be further clothed with life. We want to grow. And that life is a spiritual life that's on the inside that comes out with evidences on the outside as he sanctifies us body, soul, and spirit. As he reconciles us completely uh, and we draw closer to him. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Isn't that amazing? Be still and know that I am God. He's already prepared us for it. He's already prepared us to be further clothed. I mean, notice that. It's past tense. Who also has given us, pay attention, the Spirit as a guarantee. See, when the Spirit is working in our lives and we know that we're sealed and we know that we're being sanctified and we know that we want to be led by the Spirit because as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. It's a guarantee from who? You could say the good hands people, but that's not even close enough. This is the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth that guarantees our salvation. He's prepared us for it. He's going to give us this in eternal inheritance uh, and he's already sealed us with his spirit. So when that spirit, now listen, spirit goes into your heart, that's the seed of Christ. It's very interesting. Think about it for a minute. Just like in the physical realm, 
the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and the seed went in and a child was born that would raise up and obey and follow and lead and give an example and a plumb line to follow of how to be walking in the Spirit and how to bear fruit. You know, it, we have this going on now when God puts His Spirit, His seed in our clay, in our dirt, in our soil. Then it has to grow if you water it. If you surrender and stop living for yourself, it has to grow fruit. See, I, a lot of times I'm the weeds that gets in the way of my fruit. You know, weeds grow easy. My flesh can come out like that. And I got weeds all over my garden. I mean, this is a vineyard almost. Like we're, we've been restored to walk daily with God in the spirit realm every day. You can walk in the spirit every day. And if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it's a garden, just like we've been restored back to when Adam and Eve was walking with God. That's pretty interesting when you think about it, because now here becomes the temple. Here becomes the garden. Here becomes the place of him sealing and guaranteeing us and growing fruit out of your heart that looks like Christ. So we are always confident. Six, this is what you should be. Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. This is our place right now. Positionally in the spirit realm, we seat him with him. But while we're still down here, right? While we're home in this earthly tent, we're absent from where the Lord is at up there. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Seven, that's how we're living. And we're going to get to this new beginning. For we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's the glorification. That's the end of it. That's eight. Okay? Right now, we know that we're six. We're walking by faith. Seven. Eight is the end of the race. Nine. Therefore. There's another therefore, Rita. <laughs> because he said all of this that's going on in our lives, that the, that, that our, listen, this is, this is where our mindset needs to be. There's nothing wrong with us dying to self. There's nothing wrong with our earthly bodies dying. There's nothing wrong with these things decaying. That's what it's supposed to be due. It's never meant to be eternal. They're temporal. But what's important is, is your spiritual life growing. While this outside is dying, look at the trees out there. While it's dying is the inside, which naturally in nature it's doing it. But now with the spiritual, you and me, are we naturally growing on the inside because we're dying on the outside? Or are we dying on the outside because we're trying to follow the law? Are we dying on the outside because we're trying to please our spouse? Are we dying on the outside because we're trying to please man? Or on the outside, are we dying because the Spirit is working on the inside and growing fruit that brings life and, and our death is going away? We're understanding our identity. Therefore, verse 9, look at this. We make it our aim. Are you aiming at something? No, I just gotta run around and do whatever I feel like doing right now. That's flesh. The spirit is aiming at something, your sanctification. The spirit is working on something, your glorification, getting you across the finish line. There should be an aim because why? We're shooting at a target. And everyone falls short of the glory of God. But what are you aiming at? For we know, 5-1, that our earthly house is tent. We're aiming, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. How are we pleasing to God? Faith. 
So again, faith, 11.6 in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please him, for you first must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, there's an aim there in the diligence. You're looking to do something. You're looking to die, not for salvation, but because you're saved. Not, not, not in order to, to gain his respect or love or mercy, but because it's part of what he's doing is you want to die to self. See, it's all already there. He's already prepared us for it. But what we need to do is surrender and receive it and just let it grow as we abide in the vine. It just automatically will grow if we get out of the way. If we stop being the weeds in the garden that have all these other things that we want to do, all these other things that we desire that are in the flesh, that are nothing to do with the spirit. So we want to aim to be well-pleasing, and we have to do that by faith. For we must appear, listen, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. I didn't look that up, but it's probably Bema, seat of Christ. That each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, see, most, most people don't understand that, but there is a white throne judgment for people who don't know Jesus. And they're cast into hell, right? But there's a Bema seat judgment where we're rewarded for what's done in the body, whether it was done for good or for bad, for what, what was the nature of the heart? Why were you doing it? Were you doing it out of the flesh, out of the works of the law? Were you doing it for yourself? Were you doing it to get noticed? Or was you surrendering and allowing the inner man to be renewed in the spirit of God to use your life for what he purchased you to do? And this is where we're going to get to this reconciliation is where we're being reconciled and understanding what God is doing in the sanctification process. Um, so uh, we're all going to appear there, and then there's going to be rewards. He talks about in another place where you get on this conveyor belt, and you go through by fire, and everything's burned up that was done in the flesh, and I'm just making that part up. But we are saved as if by fire. What's not burned out and consumed here will be burned out and consumed there. And for the ones that don't know Jesus, they're going to go into eternal fire forever where there's no second chance. But make no mistake, the things that are going on, God is a consuming fire. And he wants to burn out the dross and burn out the impurities and burn up the weeds, we might say. 11, knowing therefore, the fear, mine says terror, but it's really fear is a better word. Knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, we persuade men but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences, because God knows their conscience, and when you have the mind of Christ, you have co-perception. Your conscience is lined up together, and you're seeking to have a good conscience before God. For Verse 12, 512, for we do not commend ourselves again to you. We're not recommending ourselves. We're not introducing ourselves again. Because Paul planted this church. God used him to go here and plant the church in Corinth. And then these liars, these Judaizers, these other people came by. And they said, oh, Paul's oh, he's not really. No, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You need to do this and this. And they're introducing falseness. Listen, that's why you need to pay attention. There's many people in the body of Christ, in the, in the world today, that say they know Christ, and they're introducing things that have nothing to do with Christ. So the important thing for you to know is what the Spirit would say to the church. It's your personal relationship. 
It's like things that you might talk to with your spouse and you and God are talking to together and you guys know what's going on. He knows your heart. He knows what's happening and you're reasoning together and you're becoming one together. You're being reconciled together, we're going to see in a minute, and God doesn't change. So we know who has to do the changing. Not for salvation, but because of salvation. Because we are saved, we should want to reap those Rewards. Let's watch. For we don't introduce ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf. That you may answer, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. See, Paul had come and he, they knew his heart. They seen his heart. He laid down his life for them. And then here comes these others that are just talking. And he said, they're just boasting in appearance. Did they come and lay their lives down for you? Their heart is, is totally wrong because they're trying to keep you from the truth that's in Christ Jesus. For if we are beside ourselves, and that really literally means out of our minds, like, like if they're saying something wrong, it is for God. Or if we are sound or sober as the King James, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us it literally, the word means to arrest us uh, or to preoccupy us. It's the love that's in Christ that they are preoccupied by or arrested by because we judge thus. Now, I like always bringing us here. Uh, I've had this highlighted in my Bible for 20-some for years because it's a very important thing in the life of a believer. It seems to be missing in the church today. Uh, it seems to be missing in culturanity, uh, and I don't hear it very often, although I know that it is part of uh, our identity in Christ. They judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Listen, that's our position. As a saint, if you believe in Jesus, just like Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You're crucified. We're dead. If one died, then all died. And he died for all that those who live, you and me, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we know he's alive. He's preaching the resurrection. But how we're living now and the inward man being used by the Holy Spirit is to let Christ have his way in us and we're to be his hands and feet. We're to be the ones out, and he's going to come to that conclusion, being the ambassadors for Christ. As if Christ was pleading to us, I implore you, be reconciled to God. That's where he's going to get to. But if we don't do the dying part, if we don't understand the implications of dying on the outside, allows the spirit to grow us on the inside and cause the outside to follow the inside. But if the outside is still doing what it's, it's doing in the flesh, the sin nature is still living, <clears throat> then the inside can't be working because we're quenching, quenching grieving, insulting, and lying to the inside. And it, it's something that just will naturally happen if you abide in the vine and let him cut the sucker branches off, let him prune, let him do the work, and we just say no to self, 
like my Bible study, Mike used to say, and we've been here a million times, no, 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 because you find the enemy. The enemy is us causing the weeds and the flesh, and if we walk in the flesh, the spirit is going to be grieved and can't renew the inward man, and the inward man is your spirit, and that's the part that's going to be uh, married to Christ, which is betrothed to Christ now. Um eternity so we don't live for ourselves yet when you look at uh, uh, culturanity everybody is still living for themselves they're not living to lay down their life for one another they're not living to lay down their life as ambassadors they're not living to represent Christ and, and I'm not picking on God's bride I'm saying this is the 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 the, the uh, uh, evidence that should be seen in a life that is living for God if the Spirit comes in and plants in our heart and there's a guarantee, then there should be a change on the inside. It should be reflected on the outside as we die to self and stop pursuing and we allow God to cut off things. And it doesn't feel good. It hurts. Pruning hurts. It doesn't hurt an apple tree. I've never heard an apple tree yell. But when God prunes me, it hurts. When you have things cut off. And, oh, well, everybody else is running out doing this. Yeah, well, everybody else don't belong to God and is not being reconciled. Everybody else is not understanding their identity. And so, therefore, that's, listen, it's going to be part right down here. It's going to be part of what we do as we obey. Then we're able to tell others about being reconciled. See, because it's not just that we're telling, oh, see, because it's a different thing to go out and witness and evangelize and try to win souls. Right? Becoming ambassadors that help others be reconciled can be also in us being reconciled and then helping Christians who think that they're reconciled and think that they're being sanctified and think that they're okay. They need to know how to grow and fully be reconciled. And we'll get to it in a minute because that's the word that I want to hone in on here in a second uh, after we hone in on a couple of others. <laughs> Where was I at? Okay, so 16. 16 now, and this is a very, listen to me, this is a very important verse because we have to understand it. Therefore, there's another one of them therefores. See, because he's telling us all of this. Um, one died, so all died. Therefore, from now on, what's that mean? From that point forward, once you know that one died, that Christ died the just for the unjust, the, the, the godly for all of us ungodly, the righteous for all of us unrighteous, then now, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Now, he had to put that in there because of the Judaizers and the people, the, 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 the Gnostics, they were saying that, that Christ was never in the flesh. So he's throwing that in there. He can't say that without saying something on it. It's like some of the words that people still today, like purpose, and it's been purpose-driven, and, and, and Rick Warren has ruined that word and destroyed that, and that book is from the pit of hell as far as I'm concerned. And so there's words in our culture, positive. It's not in the Bible till you get to the NIV version. So the word positive has been destroyed because there's nothing wrong with being positive about things, but is it the same as having faith? Is it the same as being sure? I don't know, but some of these words get ruined. And here, uh, he has to say something every time he says something uh, uh, about 
Christ, he has to make sure people know that he did have a body. He did come in the flesh. He did die an earthly death. And that's very important uh, for our faith. So, um, do you regard people according to the flesh? Well, they said that about me. Listen, see, this is part of the dying. This is part of the outward man dying. When the outward man dies to what he hears somebody saying and thinking that that's all flesh and I'm regarding them in the flesh and now I want to fight in the flesh, I want to war in the flesh, I want to go out in the street and argue and, and yell about a mask, I want to go in the street and yell about politics, I want to get caught up in all these fleshly things instead of remembering the spiritual that we're not regarding the flesh anymore. Because we know that it's all spiritual and that we're decaying. We're not supposed to stay here. We have an eternal home. This is not the end of it all. And we know that personally. So why would we fight for the physical when we know we're supposed to be striving and aiming at the spiritual? We're going to be growing on the inside. So you have to die on the outside to grow on the inside. You just have to. Because if the outside's still alive, the sin nature is still alive, and your flesh is still fighting then the inside is being grieved, quenched, insulted, lied to, not allowed to water the seed and grow. So we want to be careful with that. And that's what they're trying to deceive always the elect into doing, getting caught up in the physical instead of understanding we don't regard anything as flesh anymore. We just don't. Because we know that's not the end of it all. We know that's not what's going on. We know that everything is spiritual. God is spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. We are spirits that are temporarily in a body being trained and taught and deciding where we would spend eternity. It's all about the spirit realm, even though we're still down here in this earthly tent and it's decaying. And then he gets to this, 17, right? Therefore. Why is it therefore? Everything that we've said thus far. If. Conditionality. It's a big word, if. If. Primary particle of conditionality. If, whether, for as much, by this we know. These are things that if anyone, that's even important, anyone is any man in the King James, but it's an eclectic indefinite pronoun. I have no idea what that means. That's what it says, though. But it means uh, uh, some or any person, whomsoever. Right? But we use the pronoun there because the Bible is written in the masculine. Anyone, whomsoever, is in, preposition, E-N, in Christ. I want to look at in, though. It's a fixed position of instrumentality, it's a relation of rest, right? It's a relationship of rest. If you're in Christ, you've rested there. You've settled up there. You believe he is uh, uh, your salvation, and he's your uh, salvator. First usage, again, is Matthew 1.18. Look at Matthew 1.18. I think it's very important to understand this, that this is the first usage it's used. And where is that at, Greg? In the birth of Jesus. What did I say? Huh? 118. 118. Brain went dead. 
Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was, that's the word in, in, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child, is the word in. Isn't that interesting? Of the Holy Spirit. So the seed was planted in her physically, and it was in her. So here comes God. He comes into a physical womb and is planted and grows and gives birth. And this is where that word is first used at. So if anyone is in Christ, planted, rest, a place of rest, that's where you're going to grow at. That's the instrumentality in Christ. It's your relation of rest. Christ is Christos, the anointed. And in the Hebrew, it's the Mashiach. We see the Messiah, but it's the Mashiach in Hebrew. Uh, ooh, ooh. So Leviticus 4 Five. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to go there, but think about this. Leviticus, the is the is the and four is the sin sacrifice, the sin offering. <clears throat> so the very first usage for the sin offering that the Bible gives is the same word that's very first used for the Christ, the Messiah, the Mashiach of God, and it's talking about the offering that the priest would make. Uh, I mean, if you read it, it actually blows your brain. And I can't even put it all together. Okay, go there. Leviticus 5, I know, I know. And so when you're looking at it, it just blows my brain because I, really, I can't really give it all to you in this small study that we're doing. But Leviticus opens up with the offerings to God. The first one is the burnt offerings, and it speaks of Christ giving himself fully. It speaks of the <clears throat> believer giving himself heart, soul, mind, and strength, completely surrendering and allowing the work of God in their life. So the burnt offering, God would get everything. Just like he got Jericho, he got everything, right? Then you have the next one in the King James. It's called a uh, meat offering. It's called a green offering in the New King James, but it's a meat offering. And it was, it was, it was really a, a, a recipe for bread. It was a recipe for bread, but fine bread that was so thick. You ever see a tomato and you call it a meaty tomato because there's so much meat inside of it? And fine bread was like that. This is your meat. This is your bread for life. And, and, and really that second offering speaks of Christ uh, and the relationship. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was one of the, the, the offerings that speak of us being involved, right? Because they would have to get up and obey God and go out and plow the field and then plant the seed and then wait for God to put water on it and it would grow. And then when it growed, they had to wait and get through the monsoons and the, all the things that would go on and wait for harvest. And then they would harvest it. And then they would, they, would, they would store it. And then they would beat the grain. And normally they would make bread then. But it's called fine grain. So they had to beat it a second time. And everything that they do, then they mix it together. And there's no leaven in it. And it's got no, no type of evil in it. And everything that they did, though, they were personally involved in that relationship with that offering. 
And Christ is the one that speaks it at the bread of life. And then the peace offering or the fellowship offering is in chapter 3. And then 4, you have the sin. And 5, you have the trespass offering. But we're looking at, which is crazy. And, and really, it's verse 4, 5 is where it's at. The, then the anointed, that there's the Mashiach, priest, shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. See, that's what Christ had to do with his blood in heaven. See, we have an earthly shadow of things down here, but he said, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my father and your father. And he has to go and do all of these things at the heavenly altar is what we believe. And then six, the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. Remember, the veil was torn. And seven, the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, uh, power, uh, of the sweet incense before the Lord, prayer, which is the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which was the complete sacrifice, the first one. It goes back to that fully dedicated, fully the blood. Uh, I, I mean, I can't really uh, bring it all out unless we was going through this and teaching Leviticus again. Which is, and then I really couldn't bring it all out, which is at the door. Who's the door? Of the tabernacle of meeting. I mean, it's a powerful text. And that's the first usage in the Bible. And then we just happen to have up here in the New Testament the same rendering. If anyone is in, anyone is believing in his sacrifice, because all of these sacrifices he represents, they were types of him, but then he come and did them physically. And he gave his blood on the altar for you and me. So if we're in that, if we believe that he gave that perfect sacrifice, if we believe that he rose from the dead, if we believe that the Father accepted the payment, then the wrath of God is removed from us. Judgment is removed. Nothing remains except for his love. And in his love, there is sanctification and reconciliation. And we become privileged to be ambassadors and, and go and tell others. And we can walk in the newness of life. Listen, those are the things that's left in the love of God, the inheritance. Because the judgment has been taken. Our sin has been removed. And I got a verse we'll look at here in a little bit on that and talk a little bit more maybe about Israel by the time we finish. So if anyone is in Christ, I mean, really, the book of Leviticus is so powerful. It's the best book in the Bible of the Levites, of the priest. You and I become believer priests. Um, anyway. It blows me away when I seen that that was back there in that text for the sin offering and then what Christ would do and what he's done. And if we're in him and believe that uh, he poured out his blood for us, where am I at? If anyone is in Christ, the anointed, the Mashiach of God, he is what? He is a new creature, King James, new creation, uh, new King James. You guys still with me? New is fresh. Okay? So when you see new, see, we a lot of times think, I went and got another one. Uh, we think new day. Refreshed. Right? Fresh. Restored. Reconciled. Renewed. Reborn. Listen, new can mean a lot of different things. There's another word uh, uh, that, 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 that they use in the Greek for age. This is not talking about age. 
But we do know that in order to come to Christ, we have to come as little children. Right? We have to come again going, dad, dad, goo, goo. Everything I thought I knew, I don't know. Help me. I, I have this newness because the inside now has a new operating system. It used to have the sin nature operating, and now it has this operating system that is the creator of the universe, that God comes and lives and plants his life in my heart, in my soil, and he died and he starts to grow inside of me. This is powerful stuff, because if the God of the universe who died for our sin is in our heart and he's growing fruit, then we're going to change. We're going to be new creations, right? Fresh. Okay, we're going to do it again. Recently made, newborn, right? We're not getting to creatures yet, but listen to this. Let's go to Psalms 32. If you've ever gotten a card from me, you probably had Psalms 32, 8 written in it. Uh, one of my verses that I always write in cards uh, because it's an important one to understand. Uh, it's kind of like Romans uh, 8.14. Uh, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Uh, 32.8 is, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye, my favor, because he favors us now. But we want to start back at 1. Uh, it, it, it's a psalm by David. Um, about forgiveness I was looking for a word to contemplation it says here in my title uh, and how forgiveness when you know you're forgiven by God listen it sets you free it gives you joy it allows you to run the race without weight without hindrance listen to me saints are not running the race without hindrance they don't understand that their steps and that the very race they're running where they go every day, they think, this is my choice in the flesh. No, you're dying. And God is allowing you to go to that place. He's ordaining where you're standing at. He's ordaining every place that you go. No, 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 no. I took this job. No, God allowed you to take that job. He privileged you to go to that gas station and drive that car. And everywhere you're stepping at is holy ground. Because he's using you. He bought you. And you become holy. And the people you're talking to, they need to hear life. Listen, and we don't speak life to them. We argue with them. We get in, we get in the flesh with them. Instead of having the answers and as ambassadors giving them Jesus, we're doing everything else. But that. I'm not picking on God's pride. I'm just talking out loud here. I'm not picking on. I'm just saying. That if we understand that we're privileged and sitting, the reason we're standing there at the gas company fighting over the gas bill is because God wanted us to be there that day and he knew we was going to be behind. He knew that that period was going to be in the wrong place. He knew that that was going to be a mistake and the bill wasn't going to show up and the mailman was going to throw it in the backseat of his car and forget about it and go home. Whatever happened. And he wants us to be there on purpose with an appointment to be a martyreo, a witness to those people standing there. I need to hear this because sometimes I just get really ridiculously mad at people. I'm like, really? I'm trying to get the gospel out and you're over here interfering with my life. <laughs> and God's like, no, if you'd be still for a minute, they need to hear the gospel. 
that's where you're supposed to be getting it out at. But right now they're seeing your flesh and you're acting like a horse's patoot instead of talking to them about Jesus. I'm preaching to myself. I already know. So here it is. Blessed, listen, we need to understand this. They got it in the Old Testament. They looked forward to it. They lived it. They run it. They knew there was no condemnation because they were looking forward. We now know his name. We know what God has done. We know he rose. We know that God came in the flesh. They really didn't know these things unless God gave them understanding. David says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Which one? His whole sin nature. Whose sin is covered. Kofar. Now they covered, right? See, because the final line in chapter 5 is going to be, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Jesus took away the sins of the world, but the law, when they were living, looking and waiting for the Messiah of God, they just covered them so that God could be back in their presence. This is the new creation, right? Fresh creation. The word creation means a habitable place, a habitation where God can dwell. Our hearts, because of wrath has been taken, God can come live in our hearts. Remember the law? I wasn't going to get to that word, but I get to it. Remember before? Moses comes down from the hill, and there they've already risen up to play. They already broke every commandment. He throws down the tablets. Instead of representing God properly, he throws them down. And then what happens? God moves his place of meeting outside the camp. And he can't be there. It's not a good habitation for him because there's sin in the camp. So what does he do? He comes up with the Levitical law of the Levites, the 3,000 Levites that come, and, and three, or 3,000 people die, and the Levites become the ones, and, the, and then he can come in when the covering is made, and the priesthood is set up. Now he can bring his presence back into the camp. Because now it's habitable because there's something covering it until Christ comes to take it away. And it's the same thing in our heart. We are all confined under sin. None righteous, no, not one. All is sin and fall short of the glory of God. But when you become a believer, priest, now you become a new creation. And there's a habitable place for the seed to come and guarantee and plant in your heart now. And God can be there. It's not of the law. It's of the spirit. So he plants right in the soil of your heart. And if you don't surrender, then that becomes a hard ground where it can't grow. It might fall on a hard, stony place where I'm still mad and I'm not forgiven. I'm rejecting. There's so many things that can happen. And that's why we need to be like the burnt offering. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus was a living sacrifice unto death. He was alive. We were born dead. He was born alive. And he gave his life freely to die and then came up out of the grave alive. He's alive. He just testified to that. We knew him according to the flesh. We died, but now he rose again. It's amazing stuff. I get excited, spit all over myself, air hanging out, get a wipe it out of my beard. It's just good stuff. But look here. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's it right there. God covers it. It wasn't me. You can't cover it yourself. Unless God makes a provision, which he did with the law that led us to know that we needed a Messiah. 
Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, sin, trespasses, unrighteousness, in whose spirit there is no deceit. David was a man after God's own heart. When I kept silent, listen, pay attention. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. But what happened, David? I acknowledged my sin to you. I confess, I agree. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin... He's faithful and just to forgive it and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, when you hide your sin, when you try to keep it back, and you don't agree with God that, that you're not dying. Listen, God's, God's always pursuing us saying, just die, just surrender, just let me grow in you, just let me send you. Here's your gifts and talents. He's always trying to finish the work he started in us, and we're always wrestling with him, and we're growing weeds, and we want to pretend, and we want to be religious, and we want to look like we're okay. And he's saying, just come and meet with me. Just sit down and surrender. Just confess that I've been fighting, I'm arguing, I'm not acknowledging, I'm not confessing. Just confess that I'm being rebellious. That's all he's saying. That's a man after God's own heart. Here I am, Lord. He already knows. He doesn't need you to confess it. You need to confess it. He's not changing a bit. But he's ready to pour out his love and everything. He's already taken all the wrath, all the judgment away. All that's left is his love, his inheritance to send you, to grow you, to bear fruit worthy of repentance. Six. Now we're going to get to six. Number man, right? We're going to do it again. I love doing it. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Listen, today's the day for salvation. Every day is the day of prayer. Pray without ceasing. This is what we are called to do, is to pray. Listen, to pray, to confess, to talk, to speak. Psalms 32, 7. Oh, no, wait a minute. 6 still. Let's read it again. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. Wow. While the wicked will not come near him. If you're hidden in the beloved, if you're praying, if you're doing... I mean, he makes even your enemies be at peace with you. Uh, when a man's ways please the Lord, we're told uh, in, what is that, Proverbs 16, 7 or something? 7. 7. Completion. Processes. Reconciliation. Sanctification. You are my hiding place. We're hiding. We're hiding in him. We're in Christ. We're hidden. When he appears, we will appear. Colossians 3. You shall preserve me from trouble. You're trusting him. You're hiding. You're praying. You're trusting him. You shall surround me. Surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah, which means to rest and think about that. 
songs of deliverance. That's what salvation is, is deliverance from the sin nature. It's deliverance from the enemy. It's deliverance from those things that would keep us from trusting and praying. So what's God's part? New beginning, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Because he's told us to go. He'll make straight paths for us. I will guide you with my eye. His favor. His spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is our guide, our teacher, our instructor, our counselor. He's planted in our heart. In fact, he's the one that gives us the desire to pray. Do not be like the horse. This is me here a lot of times. I know the scripture says do not be like this, but this is me sometimes. A lot of times. I mean, sometimes, a lot of times. Think about this, because this is where a lot of people live. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and a bridle, else they will not come near you. Huh? That's what the wicked are doing. That's not good. When God has to put a bit and a bridle in your mouth and, and allow things to happen to get you to go. Remember the church? He told them to go and make disciples. And you know what they did? They went kumbaya and they sat down in, in, in Jerusalem and all of them were having a big old party. And they weren't listening. They weren't doing it. So what did he do? He brought persecution with Saul of Tarsus. And when Saul was rounded up, they all said, we got to get out of here. That guy's going to kill all of us. And they scattered. And what did they do when they scattered? They got to place and they go, what are you guys doing here? Don't you guys live in Jerusalem? Yeah, but Saul tried to kill him. Well, why is he trying to kill you? Because we're Christians. Well, what's a Christian? And they had to share the gospel. And people were getting saved everywhere. And churches were being planted. Why are you here? I had to get a plumbing part. Why you got to get a plumbing part? Stinking pipe broke. No, we're there as ambassadors. Stinking pipe broke because you needed to go to Menards and talk to the guy working behind the counter. Eternal perspective is everything. Instead of being mad about the pipe. My God supplies for all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Stinking pipe broke. Think about it. I'm like that. And that's what I'm saying. I get there and I forget that the reason I'm there is because that guy's going through worse things because he don't know Jesus. Or he does know Jesus and he's got his eyes clear off because of some big problem in his life. And I'm there to get him back on the rail and thinking about Christ, to encourage. Be careful. Don't be like a horse or a mule. Ten, many sorrows, there it is, shall be to the wicked. That's not the right sorrows, is it? But he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. What's surrounding you? Huh? God said he shall surround. There in seven. Remember seven? We're in the middle of the processes. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Mercy. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Titus 3, 5, and 6. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. And shout for joy, all you upright in heart. 
Why? Because we can come boldly to the throne of grace and, and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And he's sending us for a reason. He allows it for a reason. Where are we at? That was all about creation, new creation. Right? I don't know. I'm the only one here. I'm teaching myself. See, I like to learn. Are you a new creation? Are you a new creation? See, the enemy would want us to say, I don't know, am I a new creation? And we should, we should test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. But what does it mean to be in the faith? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And if you believe that, then the Spirit of God comes and seals you, and that's the guarantee. So then you're a new creation. What's the problem? Reconciliation. You're not reconciling these ideas. See, he took all of our wrath and put it on his account, put all of his inheritance and righteousness on our account, and we're still looking at our ledger seat saying, oh man, I'm a sinner. Oh man, I'm terrible. And we don't realize that all the power and all the inheritance and all the resources and our identity is available now in the running of the race. But it's in the secret place as you run and you hide yourself in him and you know what he has given you. So you have to learn your identity. And at the same time, he is making you a new creation. Oh yeah, you're complete. You're a new creation. But we're also becoming a new creation. We're saved, but we're also being saved. Right? We're seated, but we're also running a race to get there so that we can sit down with him. There's a positional and a practical in all of this because we're still here in the body. That's what he said over here, remember? So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the spirit. Here, here uh, listen to this. Let's, let's do the verse over. Therefore, if anyone is in the spirit... What if you said it that way? See, Christ is the Spirit. And we know that we're no longer flesh. We're supposed to be living according to the Spirit. So therefore, if anyone is in the Spirit, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Because now we're living according to the spiritual inheritance, a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual God. And we're not living according to the way my body feels and what I think about wrath and sin and judgment, but what Christ has given me as an inheritance because he took my, my judgment for me. So if anyone is in the spirit, then you're going to be a child of God because you're going to be led by it. And if you're walking in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Listen, I wrote that there next to Christ. If anyone is in the spirit, because you have to think this. He says he is the spirit. He is a new creation. This opens a whole new can of worms, doesn't it? Original formation, the act of a new form to fabricate, to make. It's from a word that means to make habitable. Now God can live in us. 
because he took the sin nature and gave us a new nature. Oh yeah, you can act like the old man. Paul even says in another place, and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were justified. You're going to be glorified. That's what we used to be. Now we're new creations. And our eyes should be looking up. Our hearts should be moving forward. Our life should be thinking about the spiritual realm and not the physical. Sure, we're going to sin. I'm not giving you permission. Certainly, God forbid that we would sin. But you confess it and you move on. And then he washes and cleanses you. And you keep focused on the spirit, not on the sin. Keep focused on the spirit, not on the flesh. Keep focused on the heavenly things and being an ambassador and being a new creation and growing and going, not on laying down like a fool and dying. Because we're no longer flesh and blood. And we've already been fully paid for if we have the spirit. But by listening to the lie of the devil, we keep the fruit from growing in our lives. And that keeps us from going to the lives that need to hear about Jesus. It's never been about you. Never been about me. It's always been about Christ. It's not about us. But then we get saved and we go, well, what do I need? Oh, I need to do this and this and this before I can do that or this or those. No, he's already prepared you. He's already done everything. All we got to do is rest in it and let him live through us. Old, oh, wait a minute. He is a new creation. We better keep moving. Old Danes. I got a ton of places I can go with the old Danes. Your homework is read. Romans 7, 1 through 6. I ain't going to none of these. Old Danes. I ain't suffering from OLD. Uh, it, it, here's what it means. Original or primeval. Old Danes. Original or primeval. So your sin nature. Your old nature. Right? What did it do? It died. It passed away. Ain't that cool? I, I, I like it. You guys must be Friday night. Old things have passed away. They died. They perished. Oh, my goodness. This is so cool. I love this stuff. Guess what? One, it, one, it's, it's, it's actually translated Passover one time. Old things have passed away or passed over. Like the Passover festival. Okay, here's that. I'll get you to the text. Luke 11.42. Luke 11.42. Matthew, Mark, Luke. 42. on page 1856 now listen because we all have a pharisaical heart and we all make up rules and we think that we're okay because of our rules and that because I carry a big bible and I go to church every week and I drive my car at the speed limit listen but woe to you Pharisees for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by look what you pass by you pass over you pass over justice and the love of God. 
these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now listen, because you see this? God is a just God and he's a loving God. There's two sides of him. There's justice and then there's the love of God. Right? Now he's taken all the wrath for us and the love of God is what we really do have. But in the love of God, there is an entire reconciliation going on. There's an entire uh, life happening where we've already been set free and prepared and the Spirit is there wanting to grow us and send us. That's the old things have passed away. All things. Anybody got a calculator? How much is all? Add that up. Have become new, become fresh. Which part of you has it? Now listen, this is the word of God, and by faith we have to believe the word of God. He says all things have become new. So when he looks, he sees all of them new. Now we know that practically we're becoming new, but we know that if we're led by the Spirit, he's going to finish the work he started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. He can finish us and get us across the finish line and put us into the place that we're already positionally. But if we ignore the Holy Spirit and we lie to him, quenching, grieving, insulting, why would we think we even have that position in the first place? We've been set free for freedom's sake. We've been set free to follow Christ. Follow the Spirit. Be led to walk in the garden daily again with, without the ramification of sin and wrath and judgment and death. We've been set free to follow. What's the point of believing if we don't want to follow? But as you abide, the Spirit will lead you. You will want to follow. The problem is people, have a, they just say, nope, reading your Bible, eh, not as much as I should. You mean Never. I'm not being mean. You mean never? That's all I'm saying. But guess what? The things that they want to do and be and follow and be entertained by, they do always. And always and never are God's words. I'm not being condemning. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying that if we read our Bible and pray and we get involved in fellowship and stop hanging, see, new creations... Don't hang out with the old nature people. That's not where you want to be. If you're a new creation and the Spirit of God is in you, you will not be able to be comfortable around people that are drinking and partying and acting up. Those are people we go witness to, but we also, God brings us out and they go, where'd Greg go? I, I like the way he rolled. Where'd he go? Seriously, I mean, that's what they say. Oh, he'll be back. Man, he's been gone for a long time. How much has it been now? 25 years? 27? Thought he was coming back. And they begin to say, something's going on. But when you're hanging out with them every day, why would they become thirsty? Why would they think anything's different? When you're comfortable around them and you laugh at their dirty jokes and everything that they're doing, why would they think you're a new creation? No, they're going to say exactly what they say. Oh, he got religious on. He goes to church every Sunday. All you got to do is call him, though. He ain't, he ain't real religious. He'll come on out. He can skip church. He's sorting his socks. And I'm not being mean, but these are things that new creations want to do. We're being equipped. We're coming to the unity of faith. We're putting on the same mind. We're hanging out together because we're family. 
It's not, it's not something that's religious. It's something I need somebody to keep me accountable. God made me a pastor because I'm the worst of all of you. I, he made me be accountable and be here every Friday. Because I would be sorting my socks. I wouldn't wear any. I'd just go barefooted. That's easier, isn't it? I'm just being real here. I'd just go barefooted. Who cares about socks? I ain't going to waste my fleshly time sorting socks. I got a whole lot of other stuff I can do in the flesh. Sorry. Listen. New creations. If you've been given the Spirit of God and you become a new creature, you do not stay in the same place because you'll live just like the old creature if you do. You have to come out from among them. We're not judging them. We're not being mean to them. We're not being separatist. We want them to come out also. That's what an ambassador does. This is where he's moving to. Watch. We don't have much time left. Only two hours of the sermon. <laughs> but all things have become fresh. Have become, or are become, is the King James. It means the cause to generate your reborn, to arise, uh, to wake from your sleep, to be assembled, to set apart, to be finished. So we're works in progress. We're being finished. Being finished. And become fresh, become new, reborn. And he goes on. And let's go on and just finish up this thought with him. Uh, that was our verse 18. Now all things are of God. What all things? Behold, all things have become new. So all things now are of God. All the new things are of God. The Spirit is in you. You become reborn. You're like a little child again. All the old things passed away. Now you're right back at start one, white as snow. Now the Spirit is going to start teaching you again, and you begin to grow up, and you move from milk to meat. You don't stay on milk. You move. You grow. You keep going. All things that become new, because now we have a new operating system in us. We have the Holy Spirit that is life. We don't have the sin nature of the lying devil who has trained us all of our love with sin and self and Satan. Now we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Reconciled. Now there's some differences in reconciled. It literally means to change mutually or figuratively, figuratively it means to compound a different, to change. So he reconciled us. Right? 1828, Merriam-Webster, and I would always go back to a dictionary that's not uh, defiled by the flesh of today's culture. Reconcile is this. Call back into union. To restore to friendship or favor after estrangement. Listen, to call back into union, to make one again. To restore to friendship or favor after estrangement. And that's what God is doing when he guides us with his eyes, called us back into his favor. 
He's instructing us. And we've been reborn and renewed uh, just as if we never sinned. Justified. Just as if we never sinned. Betrothed to Christ as chaste virgins. Learning to live life again, not with death or wrath hanging over us, but with Christ, the anchor of our soul, in front of us, leading us. And he reconciled us. See, there's another way to look at it, and this is, this is probably a way that we think about. We used to do this in the 1900s. I like saying that. We don't do it as much anymore because of online banking. But what would you do when you reconciled your checkbook? Think about it. Because um, the bank might say you have one amount, but you think you have a different amount. And so as you're taking the ledgers and you're putting the debits and the credits there together and you're trying to reconcile, see, Christ took everything that we owed and he put everything that he was given in our account and we're reconciling that debit sheet. And so our inheritance is our bank account in heaven. We've been given power. We've been given authority. We've been given privilege. We've been given all the riches of heaven, all the inheritance of our husbandmen that were betrothed to Christ. And it's reconciled perfectly to where now you can use those things to run this race. But do you know... Think about it, because I know most people that do online banking now, they have no idea what they got, except for that balance number. Most people have no idea. Listen to me. That's how credit card scams work, and, and they, just, they just take 80 cents from you on one charge. These guys that put those scam things, they don't take a charge for 180 or 500 or 10,000, because you'll notice it instantly. But if they just take 80 cents from 100,000 people, and none of them notice it, and they do it every month, they're making a living, a good living. Listen, and all you're looking at is, is my bottom balance, yeah, it looks right. And this is what, this is what Satan does. He's stealing your inheritance. He's lying to you. He's got you living some way that you are not reconciled to God because you don't understand your identity. You don't understand the inheritance. You don't understand the spirit. You don't understand that God has taken your judgment and your wrath and you are clean, a chaste virgin, able to go out and be an ambassador and represent Christ. Not because of what you have done, because of what he has done. Not, not because you get to do it to get saved, but because of what he's done and he first loved us, now you're privileged and you want to go do it to tell somebody, be reconciled to God. Why would you not want to be reconciled to a God who would do that for us when we did, had nothing? We didn't even know we were lost. This is amazing stuff. So recon, reconciled is to exchange. That's, that's that, to exchange. He gave us his inheritance, and he took our wrath. That's a reconciliation. And then Christians don't know because they don't look at the word of God and see what he's reconciled us to. They are not reading the ledger sheet. They're not seeing the freedom. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And all they're doing is listening to the lies of the wicked one that condemns. I can't do that. 
Look at this. So, now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We're reconciled to him. Through, this is the avenue, this is the way, this is the channel of the act, Jesus the Christ, God is salvation, he's anointed, and Mashiach, and has given us, oh, there's more after Christ? The ministry of reconciliation. So as we understand our identity, as we run this race, as we're learning, we go out and tell others, be reconciled to God. That is, he goes on to explain that God was in Christ. Isn't that funny? God was in Christ. See, we're in Christ now. God was in Christ. God himself was in Christ. God, Emmanuel, come to earth and took flesh and was in a virgin womb. And God was in Christ. And he grew up and became a man. And he had an itinerant preaching ministry for three years. And then God died for us. That's, that's like, boom! That's enough. <laughs> and we can't die for him? When he's put all the power in us, striving according to his power, didn't we just read that? Which works in us so mightily. Where was that at? We just read that. Did we just read that in Colossians? Where was we reading that, Mike? Here it is. It's, it's Colossians 1, 28. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Not according to our working, which works in us. Not according to our strength. I knew we just read that somewhere. It's in the Bible. Just turn it in there and check it out. Sorry, I just was reminded of reading that. Where are we at? 19, that is that God was in Christ. What was he doing in Christ? He was reconciling. He was exchanging himself for the sins of the world. To himself. Not imputing... That's not taking inventory, or, or here it is, a real layman's term, not counting, not computing, right? He wasn't weighing their sin, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Notice it's a word. It's not a work, it's a word. When you preach the gospel to somebody's conscience, it's not about your power and your witness, it's about witnessing the one who is reconciled, the one who loved us, the one who gave himself. It's a word of reconciliation. The logos. Something said including the thought. It's the doctrine of reconciliation. Right? Now then, what's the conclusion? What's his conclusion? Now then, after these things, once you recognize that the outward man's supposed to be perishing. We're supposed to be dying. One died, all died. We're all crucified together. And now Christ living through us and in us by the Spirit. Then we are ambassadors. 
representatives for Christ as though God were pleading uh, through us. God's pleading with us? You hear that courtroom term? That's a pleading. How do you plead? He's pleading. Think about God humbling himself to plead with his own creation to be reconciled to him. You don't have to die. You don't have to take my justice. You can have my love. You can have my free gift. You don't have to. My son has already taken it for you. Through us, we implore, we beseech you. And this is an invitation. It's an invoking. It's a call near. That's what implore you on Christ's behalf. We're representing Christ. Be exchanged. Be reconciled to God. See, it's a, it's a change or an exchange, and God ain't changing. So we come, and when we're being sanctified and cleansed, we're being completely exchanged. As we die, we're changed into the image of the living God. As we die, the Spirit changes. It gives us the fruit and grows in us of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He took all of our sin, and he gives us all of his nature, but we have to die to receive it and let it grow. That's the reconciling. That's the finish line where we be glorified on the other side. For he made him, now listen, there's no force with God. He hath made him. He appointed him. He ordained him. He didn't force him to. Jesus' delight was always with the sons of man. Proverbs 8. He made him, though it might sound like that. It's kind of like uh, uh, in Psalm 23, David says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. It's because when you see his love, when you see his goodness, it makes you want to lie down because you know everything that he has is good green grass. It's going to be good for you. It's not bad for you. So that makes you when you see his love. So Jesus came because he wanted, he said, I wanted to do the Father's will. Behold, it is written in the volume of the book, I have come to do thy will, O God. It was his desire to be faithful and to be an example for you and me. He made him who knew no sin, he had no sin nature, to be sin for us that we might, we might become, or we might be made as the King James. See, he made him that we might be made. He made him to take our sin that we might become righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know it says him, that's a pronoun. I like saying the word, not in him. Who's him? In Christ Jesus our Lord, right? Right? That's good stuff. Now look at reconciliation one last time. I want you to see. Because really, you know, the war is going. I know we need to end. I know we need to end. Listen, reconciliation is used in Romans 11.15. I want you to turn there with me. Back up just a few pages. 11.15. You see this this, uh, skirmish going on. This battle going on. These atrocities going on once again against God's firstborn son. Yeah, that's what it is. If you go back and look at Exodus 4.22, Israel is called God's firstborn son. It's the firstborn nation. What's going to happen with the firstborn nation? They're being dealt with. They're taking wrath. And part of their wrath that they're taking is in part so that you and I can be saved. 
they are dying and they're going to come back to life because they're going to believe in the Messiah about three and a half years into the tribulation and they're going to come back to life. But partly they died so that you and I could come to life. They're the firstborn. See, they're a type of Christ to us. Listen to this. It's in Romans eleven fifteen. What does it say? Uh, let's do 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, Paul writing to Rome, never seen them, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. God announced his calling. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. I magnify my ministry. So he's drawn attention to his ministry to the Gentiles. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, Jews, and save some of them. 15. For their being cast away is the reconciling of the world. See, they died and they're going to rise again at the end of the age after the day of the Lord. When the Lord finishes the work with them, he will bring them back to life. And they all come to salvation. Isn't that insane? I don't even understand that mystery. But it's written right there. What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? It's written right there. They come back from the dead and they receive life. Because they accept the Messiah. Listen, everything that's going on over there right now is still the insane attack of the enemy Satan against God's Messiah, against God's firstborn, against God's work of life to redeem the planet from sin, from death, to defeat the works of the devil. And you can tell your time, you can set your clock by what's going on over there. If they're attacking God's people... Look up. You should always be looking up, but you need to be looking up now because your redemption draweth nigh. Because when they, this starts to happen, whew, go read Matthew 24. It just comes alive. It pops in your head if you have the Spirit of God. Wake up. Wake up. They're attacking God's firstborn. They're attacking God's people. The attack is on killing God. And what he said. And he said all this would happen. All of these countries would be over there. He, he, he declared that this would happen. You can read about it in, in Ezekiel 37. The dry bones come to life again. May 14, 1948. Z Ezekiel 38. They're, they're all amassing together. They can't stand it that Israel became a sovereign nation again. But God said he would bring his people back. From the ends of the earth. And they're still coming back. They're still coming back. And the enemy still wants to kill God's people. That's why he wants to kill you. That's why he wants to kill Israel. But you're a new creation. Get back to the point. You're being reconciled. Right? Do you know your identity? Do you know your gifts, talents, and abilities? Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know what he's called you to do? The lane you're supposed to be running in? Do you know the work he's called you to put your hands to? Because he's prepared you for it already in Christ Jesus. It's Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that you should walk in them. 
Walking is always living. You should be living in them. You should be doing them. Workmanship is poema. You're his work in progress. He's reconciling you. He's working on you. He's sanctifying and washing and cleansing you. And he wants you to come to the fullness of the knowledge of God in intimacy with him in this marriage. Or it's a betrothal that it will be a marriage when we get there. And it's consummated at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace upon us. Lord, we know that you're the only thing good that would dwell in us. And then first you had to take that judgment and wrath so that you could be in our presence, in our hearts, which are exceedingly wicked, Lord. And you know exactly what we need to clean them out and to make them a habitable place for you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for calling us out of death and giving us life and that more abundantly. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Memory verse. Oh, keep it running. Memory verse. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but encourage one another to love and good deeds, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Okay? Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Write it down. Memorize it. It's a little long. You'll do good, though, if you really think about the sections it is. Amen. <laughs>